the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brett Griffin, and our guest today is Joe Schuster, math, statistics, and calculus teacher from Dinuba High School in Dinuba, California. Uh, Joe has a mathematics degree from Fresno State, and he recently won Teacher of the Year for both Dinuba High School and Dinuba Unified. Joe's a good guy. We've been friends since high school, known each other a long time. Um, I'm interested in hearing about his story, and I think uh, you guys are going to like hearing his story about math and turning that into a career teaching and knowing that students are the future and trying to equip them for that future. So, Joey, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, in our pre-interview notes, you described yourself as teacher, mathematician, storyteller, entertainer, babysitter. (laughs) Uh, How would you rank those in order of what your general day-to-day looks like? You know, honestly, I was kind of thinking of the meme where it's, you know, what I think I do, what my kids think I do. And so, uh, you know, Honestly, I don't feel like a babysitter, but I feel like some parents, you know, maybe have us as the babysitter first. Right. Uh, You know, honestly, for myself, I I first put myself as a teacher uh, and then I would go storytelling entertainer next and then mathematician. Uh, I found at this level, the kids, if they don't have some reason to want to know what you're teaching, but then, you know, they're not open to it. So they have to be open. And then once they're open... Then you can sneak in a little bit of mathematics. High schoolers not being open to teaching. Who who would have thought? <laughs> right. Who would have thought? <laughs> right, right. You know, get a little bit of karma back on that end. You know, you remember what you were like as a teenager and then go, okay, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's how it goes. Yep. That's how it goes. Okay. Um, I remember in high school you were super smart in the math and science areas. Um, I would have thought you would have ended up building time machines or building those giant robot mechs from Pacific Rim or something like that. <laughs> so uh, talk a little bit about your journey You know, after our high school into college, math, which isn't something that a lot of people choose to major in, Right. Um, what the original goal was with that, and then getting into teaching. Well, originally, I, the goal was to do something in space, ideally. Uh, my first major... I switched major multiple times, but my first major was astronomy. Okay. And then uh, I went down to San Diego State, did that for a year, and uh, I kind of had a crisis of faith uh, academically. I saw that, you know, astronomers made very little for having a PhD, so I knew that I was going to be going to school forever and then getting out, and I didn't know what I could do with it. Right. And so um, I kind of ran away screaming. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to get a job. I'm, you know, who needs college, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I I started working at, you know, banks, worked retail. Uh, You know, I'm pretty good at talking to other people. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that went okay for a while. Uh, And then I had a boss and and I worked at a workplace that was just awful. He would mostly sleep on the job and, you know, I was left to kind of run things. And so I went out and I said, 
you know, he's got a piece of paper. That's why he's my boss. Right. You know, that degree makes him my boss. So I need to do the same thing. And so I went back to school and then I, uh, I was actually a psychology major for a long time. All right. I decided, you know, I loved astronomy because I loved the way it explained how the universe worked. And I thought psychology was interesting for the same reasons, but right. on a lower level. And so uh, I did psychology for a little while. And then I got to a philosophy teacher and it was a logic class. And she said, you're great what's your major? I said, psychology. She goes, no, no, no. Science, engineering, or math. You <laughs> yeah, need to yeah. be science, engineering, or math. And, and truthfully, the part of psychology I was really interested in was uh, evolutionary psychology. Okay. So more scientific anyways. And so I decided, okay, well, I need to go either science or math. Which way do I go? Uh, it was at that point that I looked at the classes and I saw that, you know, with science, you would have to take lab classes and it was going to be a bit of an issue there. And so I decided to go into mathematics. Uh, one of the other things that was happening at that time is that I was working as a uh, officer at the juvenile or at the boot camp. Okay. And uh, originally, I thought I would never want to work with teenagers. But as I started working with these very troubled teenagers from all walks of life, I realized, you know, actually, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, well, if I'm going to go do mathematics and I like working with teenagers, which I never thought I would do, why not work that into teaching? All right. So that was it. All right. Interesting. So then there you were. Yeah. Okay. So as you're on this journey and kind of in the middle of all this, was there a moment or a specific instance that you realized, oh, yeah, this is the thing. You know, I can do math. I can teach kids. You know, how did that kind of become the, the thing? Well, you know, I think it was all along. Uh, you know, I was always the guy in, in high school and in college who would help people out with math or with science. And so I think I realized, especially in college, as I was helping people out in my math classes, you know, I could do this. I can help people understand mathematics, you know, because so often, especially at the college level, you know, you're given a book and you're just kind of left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was through that period that I kind of really understood, okay, I might be able to see things slightly different than another person. And that can help them understand this concept better. Right. And so why not do it professionally? Right. So. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, talk a little bit about your basic day, you know, kind of what it looks like getting to school, dealing with kids, um, you know, between lesson planning and discipline and your responsibility as the educator of the future leaders of the world. So my day starts off early. Uh, I get to work by seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I do that for a couple of different reasons. Uh, two days out of the week, I coach the academic decathlon team. Okay. And so I have them in there and we cover 10 different topics throughout the year and uh, that's pretty exciting. And then the other days out of the week, I open it up for tutorial. So while I'm in there and I'm getting everything set up for the day, any calculus students or any stats students can come in and get extra tutorial minutes, uh, you know, in addition to what we have in class. Uh, day starts at 7.57. And uh, we ha our school, we do seven periods. Okay. Uh, and we have two of those periods are prep periods, so we can kind of work and, you know, make copies and you know, do a little tweaks to our lesson plans mm -hmm. uh, through that day. Uh, I teach calculus in the very first period, and then I have some preps, and then I, ha I teach stats for the rest of the day. And all AP, right? Uh, one AP calc, one AP stats, and then okay. two actual regular oh, wow. stats. Okay, yeah, I don't think they had regular stats when we were in high school. No, and even at our school, it was something that we just started this year. Okay. Uh, we found that some students were having problems with the AP level of stats, and so we decided, okay, well, what can we do to still offer a stats course, but not at the rigor 
of an AP stat. So we do a lot of, you know, get them uh, articles online, a lot of 538 articles. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of news stories about uh, we did one on uh, they were underestimating evictions in oh. in the inner city. Oh, wow. And why that was happening because and, you know, essentially it was because their questions were were not really asking what they wanted to have, what they were looking for. Mm hmm. And so we do a lot more real life applications in that class. Okay, so it's not just hard numbers and Z scores and all that. You're actually digging into the, you know, like you just said, with the polling and the psychology of the questions, digging the answers. You guys did into all that, right? And we got into, you know, when the election, we took, you know, a couple of periods right around the election just to explain everything, and you know, because a lot of the polls before the election had, you know, Trump at about a 27 percent chance right. of winning, right? And, you know, turned out that was we all, we all know how that worked we all know out. how that worked out, yeah. Um, I've known a few people that have gone to, you know, into teaching because they felt like, you know, either they had something to say or they felt like they could help kids or, you know, they weren't great in school, but they understood having been one of those kids that didn't care and didn't listen, that they could communicate with those kids. And I've heard a couple of different people tell stories about how I got in and I, I definitely overestimated how much these kids cared and actually wanted to learn. Is that something that you struggle with? Um, and I'm sure it's different between the AP and the non-AP, just you know, most kids in the AP classes are there because they're trying to be on the fast track. But is that something you struggle with or do struggle with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first year was teaching you know, freshman students, or I'm sorry, that was my, my second year was actually teaching freshman students who were uh, remedial math students. Okay. So, I mean, you're talking kids who barely know if they want to be in high school or not, let alone take a math course right and so yeah that's something that i mean you know every day i'd be like hey guys look functions and they'd just sit there <laughs> looking at me crickets and going okay well that approach will not work with you guys so what else can i do right so how do you get through to those kids as the teacher is your responsibility to get them plugged in and make sure they care about learning and at least help them as much as you can you know when when the threat is a d or an f and they don't care you know what's the path to getting them plugged in well, you know, it's hard with uh, with some of them. It was just taking a step back and going, OK, so maybe you don't care about, you know, solving an equation. Well, let's talk about something else that is math related, but you don't realize is math right. related. And let's get you caring about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe we take, you know, kind of a side trail for a little bit and get back to that, you know, to the concept of equations later on. But oftentimes you have to give them a reason to need it. Um there's a lot of teachers out there, uh, guys like uh, Dan Meyer, who have, you know, they do something called mathematics in three acts. And that first act is, you know, just give them an experience and have them ask questions about it and then show them that mathematics can answer the questions that they have about that. Hmm. So, you know, for instance, I did a course and we had I showed them a uh, Ansel Adams picture of Half Dome. OK. And so he said, what kind of questions could you have about this picture? And, you know, they all sorts of things. What season is it? Uh, you know, what's the name of that river? What's the name of that mountain? And we, you know, we talked about those things. Well, can we find those types of questions out? How could we answer those questions? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually they got to, well, how tall is that mountain? How far away was the photographer? Hmm. You know, what angle was the camera? And this was in a trig class, but they, they went to where I wanted them to go anyways. Mm -hmm. I just had to present them with the opportunity to do that. Right. And so I think especially in teaching, sometimes we think, well, I'm going to teach them A. Right. And they're going to learn B. And oftentimes it's, well, okay, you think you're going to teach them A, but really you've got to show them X, Y, and Z. Right. And then 
they'll get to be. Hmm. So it, sometimes it's a very roundabout process. Yeah. And um, do you have a brainstorming routine or ritual when you're coming up with these new ideas? Um, you know, you see something in the news. How do you decide to turn that into math or turn that into statistics? What's, what's the process like for that? You, you know, the process is essentially, uh, you know, reading a story and then thinking about, well, what what can my students get from this? And not only that, but if I gave this article to my students, what would be their uh, interpretation of the article? Mm -hmm. Would they get that, you know, uh, that these people in the inner cities, you know, that even though uh, the, the interviewers were offering them, you know, small monetary amounts, that that's not really bribery. Will they get that? Hmm. And when I, if, whenever I ans ask those questions, I then go and say, okay, well, if the answer would be no, if they wouldn't get that concept, then this is something that would be worthwhile to show them. Hmm. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it ends up as a, as a discussion. It'll be something that I show them, mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe it takes the whole period. But to me, that's okay. I think so long we've had mathematics as this very strict and structured uh, approach. And I think in part we have to realize as teachers – you know, our students aren't necessarily going to solve a system of two equations every day. Right. You know, they're not going to use algebra every day, just, right, right. despite what we want to tell them. Well, yeah. But they will have to problem solve. Right. You know, they will have to, you know, look at a situation and figure out the best approach to, you know, to coming up with a solution that's workable for it. I think that's what we can teach them. Yeah. And how... So when we were in high school, they were telling us, you have to know this or that or that formula or this equation because we're not going to have, uh, we're, you're not going to have a calculator with you all the time. Well, now we not only have a very sophisticated calculator with us at all times, uh, but we also have the internet. So <laughs> if we don't know how to do this, we can look up how to do this. Right. So in the math world and statistics, but also just, you know, in teaching in general, how has, you know, the smartphone, internet, information on demand era, how has that changed what you are teaching and what you're, how you're preparing these kids for life? Well, the funny thing is, is that there's still teachers out there, and, and I always, you know, lovingly refer to them as old school, who do still feel that way of, you know, you're not going to have a calculator all every time, you know, that you're out in the real world, and it's like, yeah, I will. It's called yeah, my phone, you know. <laughs> it's within one foot of my body all to, at 24 hours a day. Right, and, you know, I think with the newer generation of teachers, we realize that not only will they have those tools, but that's not a downside. Right. That's an, an extreme positive. You know, most of our students have a device that's an encyclopedia, a uh, calculator, you know, and there's websites that'll do fairly complicated calculus right. for them. Right. Now, so, you know, where does that come in with us? I think for us, really, it's now how do you use those tools mm -hmm. and how do you know that the tool is giving you something that is a plausible answer. Okay. And that's where, you know, the paperwork comes in and that's where the, you know, the old school, you know, by writ, you know, type mathematics comes mm -hmm. from. Um, but I think the, the newer mathematics is coming from, okay, here's the problem. How do I solve it? Mm -hmm. It might involve them looking something up on their phone. It might involve them Googling something. Yeah. That's great. Right. You know, we want them to. That is problem solving. I mean, even finding out how to do it. Right. You know? And I think, you know, especially coming from the private industry, and uh, going into teaching, you know, I've had situations where my boss says, I want you to do this. Mm -hmm. There's no set procedure for whatever they gave me. I have to come up with, you know, out of the box solutions for this problem. And, uh, you know, I can't, there's, there's not just a simple equation or algorithm that will get me, you know, 
the correct answer and there right. might not even be a correct answer yeah and so um i think you know with this newer generation of math teachers i think the emphasis is on problem solving processes you know looking getting the wrong result mm-hmm. figuring out why you got the wrong result and then going from there yeah and that's not just a math thing i mean that's a real life thing I well mean, and to me i think and i think education is a kind of at this not necessarily a tipping point because it's on a pendulum but i think crossroads yeah there's at least in my opinion, I think, you know, you, you look at the four pillars of education. And to me, that would be, you know, the literature and the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got, you know, science and you've got mathematics and you've got history. You know, English and the arts, it's all about communication. How mm-hmm. do you communicate something? How do you communicate a feeling with art? How do you communicate an idea with music? Yeah, um, It's really about communication. It's not about grammar necessarily. It's not about... You know, what's, you know, prov- you know, adverbs versus pronouns versus. Right. And I think mathematics is the same way now. It's, you know, we, it's not just about numbers. It's not just about equations. It's about problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know, history is about looking at the past. Science is about looking at the future. Mm-hmm. And we can't, you know, now we, we have, if we look at it that way, we can constantly adapt to whatever new technology there is. Because there will be something even better. Of course. You know, in, in a few years. And so if we look at it in those kind of open ideas and, and open definitions, then mm-hmm. I think it will really help us in the future. Yeah, and it's interesting. I've read some stuff about how, you know, how they think the Internet is changing our brains. You know, oh, I don't need to remember this because I can always go look it up whenever I want because I have the Internet in my pocket. Right. Well, and then to a point, we were always kind of like that. Uh, you know, people will sometimes knock, you know, phones because we well, don't have to remember phone numbers anymore. Right. Well, how many phone numbers did you ever really remember? Maybe yeah. you remembered your home phone. Yeah. Maybe grandma and grandpa. But if you need to call someplace, you had the yellow pages. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, in my head, I don't think I've gone backwards that far. I I, I maybe had ten numbers memorized, and now it's like six. You know. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you look at the history of education, I mean, you know, Socrates was very, uh, or the you know the legend goes that Socrates was very uh, anti the written language. Because then people wouldn't have to remember things and they wouldn't be as good with rhetoric and arguments. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, you know, we've, we've come a long way since then and we're okay with the written language. And I think technology is always scary to a certain percentage of the population. Of but, you know, if you adapt to it and you use it as a tool, I mean, I don't see any problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's funny, the you know, you're always going to have a calculator with you. So yeah, we are always going to have a calculator with us now. And if those don't work, then it's because things really went bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to need to know how to do this situation. I'm going to need to know how to gather food and keep (laughs) the roving hordes of enemies. (laughs) Right. I'll worry about recreating (laughs) mathematics (laughs) later. I'm going to be in the mountains growing my own food. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) If it, if it comes down to that. Yeah. So when we were in high school, I feel like there was a big push on us, you know, go to college, go to college, go to college. And, as I've gotten older and seen kids and, you know, got to know, you know, kids in my church or whatever, and seeing the different careers that are out there, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, I don't think when we were in high school that they did a good enough job, you know, telling us there's other paths out there. You know, the world still needs mechanics and plumbers and, you know, commercial AC technicians and all kinds of stuff. You know, there are still lucrative and important careers out there that don't necessarily mean college if that's not, in your future due to 
your intelligence style or your family's economic situation or right. whatever. Um, do you think in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, they've gotten better at that? You know, do you think the education system as a whole has kind of realized how to reach these kids that college may or may not be an option for them? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's gotten better in places. Uh, one of the things that we use now is not just college ready, but college and career ready. Okay. Because even if a student goes to college and spends four to eight years doing whatever they're doing, when they get out, they'll have to find a career. Right. You know, so we, you know, the skills that we can teach them to be ready for a career, they'll use at any point in their journey. Uh, so I do think we've gotten better on that. Uh, for instance, at my school, we have a lot of CTE programs. So that's a career and technical education programs. Okay. So we've got, you know, welding and auto shop and agriculture. And I think at least at, at Dinuba High School, we do have the understanding that for whatever reason, college is not for everybody. And that, you know, some students will want to go and become, you know, mechanics. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. Um, we need mechanics. We yeah. need plumbers. We need construction workers. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, in this area, you can find a lucrative career, I mean, compared to some of the other professions available right. doing those things. And so I, I think in certain places we have come to that realization. And I think everybody else will eventually, it just might take a little bit because you're right for so long, it was college, college, college. Mm -hmm. And that's just, there's never one solution for everybody. Right. You know, no matter what you're talking about and same thing with education, it's not always just more education is the solution. Right. You know, sometimes it's different education. It's be the right kind of education for the student. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. And what's your, what do you see as being your role in, you know, reaching that student in the way that's understandable to them, you know, versus the whole, you know, the class on a whole and, you know, not only that student for right now, but that student for, you know, making them feel good about their own future. We're like, you may not be good at this classroom learning, but if I can help you understand it, that will be good for you going forward. Well, and for myself, I see my role as a, almost a construction supervisor, if that makes sense, almost like a foreman. Okay. I'm trying to have these students build their own learning. You know, I'll provide the blueprints. I'll provide help. If they get stuck, I'll, you know, show them different techniques that they might be able to use. Uh, but in the end, if they don't build that knowledge themselves, they, they won't, they won't earn any of it. They won't own any of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've had classes in college. Usually it's a college type thing where, you know, it's the professor sitting at the front of the, well, if you're lucky, a professor sitting at the right. front of the room, reading from his book and you're writing notes and then you leave the class and you study for the test and you take the test. And then when you leave the class, you have no you idea. What anything. Yeah. Right. Because you didn't build any of that. None of that were, were things that you built on your own. Oh yeah. I, I joked with people all the time. It's like, Hey, I went to high school in California. I can, I can memorize things and pass the test. Right. Well, and, and it's funny because we look at other things. Like for instance, if I said, well, I want to teach somebody how to cook. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm going to have them watch me cook. Yeah. And that's all they're going to do. Or read all these books about cooking. Or read all yeah. these books about cooking. It yeah. would be, I'm going to have them, you know, do the, yeah, I'm going to show them something because yeah, you have to show them some parts of it, but I'm going to let them make their own mistakes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to show them, okay, well this happened because you did this. And I think education is the same way for any subject in mathematics. I want to let them, you know, earn their, their knowledge mm -hmm. and they're going to make their own mistakes and they're going to struggle with it. And then at the end of the day, when they do get their eureka moment, it's theirs. Yeah. And, and then, it's more powerful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
So for all the people out there that are worried about the next generation and worried about kids these days and their attention spans and the internet and all this, uh, can you assuage any of the, uh, of the bedwetter spheres? Yeah. And you know what? That's always, that's one of my personal pet peeves is, uh, kids these days. Oh, kids these days. And I, I always ask the people who say that, well, what did your parents think about your generation? <laughs> like we've always had this kids these days, you know, mentality. If you know, you Google what people have thought about kids in history and you'll always get this like, oh, this new generation isn't as good as the last generation. Of course. And I mean, I think some and of their that, music stinks and their music stinks. Right. Which some of that's true. But, oh, yeah, uh, some, you know. Definitely. <laughs> but that's a whole other podcast. Right. There you go. But, you know, for the most part, these kids are just as smart as we were or as our parents were. Um, maybe they have different opportunities. Maybe they come from different backgrounds. Right. But that's good. We want different backgrounds. We want, you know, different people from different places in life. And that kind of is what makes the mosaic, especially of this country, I think. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, and I've seen, you know, personally the kids that come out from, you know, the next generation and they're great. You know, and yeah, there's a couple of kids where it's like, oh man, that kid. But <laughs> you know, those people in real life too. Oh man, that guy. Right. And so, you know, yeah, there's good, yeah, there's bad. But I think for the most part, they're, you know, just as good as any generation before. Awesome. Awesome. So when you tell people you're a teacher, what's their most common reaction? Well, when they find out I'm a math teacher, it's usually like they want to give me some long math problem and see if I can solve it. You know, like what's 5,423 times, a... <laughs> you know, 232. I get a lot of the, uh, the Facebook memes where it's like, you know, um, uh, carrot plus carrot equals 10, 20 and, oh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. carrot plus coconut equals 35. And, you know, I get a lot of stuff like that. Um, and then usually after that, it's so, you know, oh, all those, you know, all that holiday time must be nice. Must be nice. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, yeah, well, I haven't, I think the last two summers I've worked, Every week, except for, I think I've had one week off each oh, summer wow. the last two years. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, those are usually the two. And then it's usually, you know, how, how are, what are kids like? Yeah. Uh, when I taught, my first year teaching was at middle school. And uh, it was always like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, you're teaching middle school. What are those kids? I pity like? you. Right. I pity you. And then I'd always go, well, you know, I, I worked at boot camp at juvenile hall before that. So, eh, you know. It's if, crazy. I feel like middle school just went by so fast i barely remember it i mean i know it's only two years that you're in seventh and eighth grade but so i don't even remember it. it went by so fast it's so weird right well and those kids too at that point they're in such a you know mental transformation right they're, they're developing so much in those two years that yeah. the kid that comes in seventh grade first day and the kid who leaves eighth grade graduation are usually two totally different kids so any preconceived misconceptions about math teachers or teachers in general that you'd like to put to bed? Uh, you know, I think with math teachers, it's generally that we're we're boring and that we're monotonous. Yeah, and that or we're, in my know, head, you know, I think of the chalkboard with the giant equation, right. like Goodwill Hunting or Beautiful Mind or whatever. And, and we do have some of those moments, you know, especially calculus. We'll get to some of those moments, and I'll stand back, and I'll be like, oh, that's a beautiful thing, kids. And, you know, <laughs> and sometimes they'll laugh, or sometimes they'll go, oh, yeah, that is kind of neat, you know, but... Uh, I think, you know, one of the other preconceived notions is that, you know, as a mathematician, you're just you're sitting there and all you're doing is, you know, all day is calculating and, and, and coming up with equations. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, for the most part, I do think about things mathematically, but it's oftentimes, at least for myself, you know, how could I apply this? Right. You know, how can I take this into the classroom? Um, you know, what's interesting about this? You know, what you know, what is mathematical about it and why is that? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's a follow up I had was that you know I know a lot of people think that okay I become a new teacher I did those lesson plans dialed in I'm good for the rest of my career you know it's like okay every year this week is this that week is that and you know especially with math I mean of I mean, of all the areas, you'd think that would be the easiest to do that with is like, oh, yeah, I got to teach them this and this and that. Right. And you, and it can kind of become a, you know, box checking procedure if you let it. Right. And that's when you get the stereotype of the boring math teacher that just stands up there and right. drones on and writes their equation sonorously. And, you know, just the kids are passing out, uh, you know, in the back. But uh, what I found is that really your lesson, you always go in with a plan. You know, like any, I kind of, you know, almost like as a coach, you, you always go in with a game plan, but where that plan starts out at 757 and where it ended up at 310 mm -hmm. are usually in different places Yeah, because, you know, I might have one class and I mention a concept and kind of give an example and they get it, or I might have a class where I give them an activity and they get it. And then the next class with the same, you know, metaphor or the same, same activity, prompt, yeah. they don't get it. Wow. So then I have to go, okay, so what what will reach these kids right and i mean yeah the easy way is to just go well they didn't get it yeah <laughs> on them all right yeah <laughs> right. sorry kids right those other kids got it it's you guys <laughs> right but you know i think that's that's really where the profession comes in is going okay so these kids didn't get it how can i get them to get this concept right. and that's yeah and it, i would think it would be easy to say oh that's on them for not getting it it's it's, it's way better to hear you say as a teacher like no it's on me to make sure they did it right and i mean you know, again, I look at this as, you know, if you're a professional in any other industry, if if the job didn't get done, you wouldn't just blame it on That's something else. else. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm, you know, uh, a bank teller in my drawer short at the end of the day, I wouldn't just go, well, it's on the customers. Right. <laughs> you know, sorry, boss. Someone it's must on have them. took too much money. Right. I don't know. Right. You know, you hold yourself accountable and you say, OK, this is on me. I'm a professional. Right. What can I do to get this done? All right. So what would you say has been your biggest triumph so far as a teacher? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I mean, this is going to sound very, uh, you know, uh, saccharine sweet, but I think my biggest triumph is just seeing kids get it. Mm -hmm. Um, and every time they get it, I'm like, boom, that's, that's why I'm doing this. Oh yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I've done things professionally that are, that are triumph. So, you know, I was, you know, I, I got that teacher of the year award mm -hmm. and, and that felt good, but uh, intrinsically, the the triumphs come with that every single kid, they got it. And, you know, also, too, within when they come back, I've had, you know, numerous students come back to me and go, hey, Mr. Schuster, can you help me on this calculus homework? I've got a professor, but I just don't, I don't get what they're trying to say. Right. Do you right. know what they're talking about? And, uh, you know, I'll joke with them, be like, oh, no, I only know high school stuff. And then, you know, I'll, I'll help them out or... Or they'll come back. That's and, college, man. Right, exactly. And, you know, they'll come back and go, you know, oh, I'm taking stats. Could you help me out with that? I know, you know, this was when I didn't teach stats. Can you help me out with this, you know, concept? And 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 I love that because to me it means that I at least made enough of an impact in their minds to know if I need help with this, I can go to him. Mm -hmm. You know, I can go to Mr. Schuster. I can get that help. And uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's that's where you want to be as a teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, you want you want your students to know you know, you're, you're their mentor. You're, you're there for them. You know, I always look at it as a, uh, as a nerd person. I look at it as a uh, Luke Yoda relationship, Okay. right? When, when Luke, you know, he went to Yoda and then he went off and did his own thing, but then when he got into trouble, it was back to Dagobah, back to Yoda, yeah. right? And so, you know, for my students, I want to be that, you know, yeah, you're going to go off and do your own thing, um, even on a day-to-day -day basis with homework. But then when 
push comes to shove and you really you need that help you're going to come back to me and and, and i'm going to show you how to get through it mm-hmm. so. awesome awesome and any disappointments or failures you know the the hardest thing in teaching is really just working with other adults <laughs> you know people always go oh the kids uh, the kids the kids i oh. did not see this coming so well yeah they always think it's the teenagers and you know I'll, I'll be honest with you man i love working with teenagers i love you know the kids are great um with them it's a lot of if you show them respect they show you the respect right um and with with the adults though you get into this there's some teachers who've been doing this for 30 years Mm -hmm. and they've done it the same way every day for the last 30 years every year yeah every year and you know maybe they reached people in the beginning but they're not reaching people now and they don't care because retirement's coming up in stepping that pension yeah and so to try to bring up new ideas or you know we're so autonomous that sometimes you know even just our bosses you know they'll come in with an idea and the older teachers will just be like not stupid right i mean i've heard like not you know Something like that. I've heard right. older teachers tell our admin that, and to me, it's one of those things of like, oh, you know, I have to, you have to have a little bit of respect for hierarchy. Right. I mean, you know, we are autonomous. You know, I do joke around about being a dictator within my own classroom, but you know, you have to get you know those new ideas coming in, mm-hmm. and, you know, just to keep things fresh and to, and to keep growing as a person. And uh, that, have you experienced any of that blowback where someone heard you were trying to do something on the election or oh, something yeah. on this or that? And yeah, and they'll you know they'll say, oh well, that you know I did that. Bef-. This the most common uh, refrain in that regard is, well, I did that three years ago and it didn't work. It didn't work. Just show them the numbers, right? Yeah. And and what I usually will tell them is go, well, you know, it might not work, but I got to give it a shot, right? And maybe it doesn't work for one class, but maybe it works for another, right? And with a lot of those things, I always try to liken it back to a toolbox. You know, a good toolbox has a has an assortment of tools, and you know that each tool has its own purpose. You know, and so you're not going to try to use a screwdriver to hammer in a nail, but you have that screwdriver there. So when you've yeah. you know when you get a screw, you've got something for right. it for sure. And so that's usually how I try to kind of push back on that. And it's hard being a new teacher, but I think as I've you know had more and more time, and as I've kind of been recognized for what I do mm-hmm. and uh, just as I've kind of received uh, acknowledgement that what I'm doing is correct yeah you know it's kind of given me the 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 ability to go no I know what I'm doing here and and this will get a you know this will get my students somewhere right right going forward how would you define success for yourself uh, you know I think you know again it, it's gonna sound funny but I think success for myself ultimately will be success for my students mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I'll be a teacher forever. Uh, there are a couple of other things that I would like to do. It still in education though, mm-hmm. uh, but I think ultimately, you know, I'll see success as seeing a student, you know, ten years down the road, and they'll tell me like, "Yeah, I got my degree," or "Yeah, I went to this vocational program. I'm working over here. It's great. My life is much better." Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that that's something that you know I've seen some of my former teachers uh, since. I started teaching, especially yeah. in this area. Mm-hmm. And uh, they love hearing that. You know, they saw where I came from. You know, I was, I mean, we were in super poverty when I was growing up. Mm. And, uh, you know, that I can tell them, you know, look, I became very successful. Uh, I'm a teacher. I've got a house. I've got a car. You know, these, <laughs> I've, I've achieved the American dream. Yep, there you go. Then they'll look at it and, they, and, and I know that they, they know that they had some small part in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know. It's just been great. I, you know, I saw Mr. Ed. I don't know if you oh, remember okay, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you know, and every time I see him, he, you Teller know, union chemistry teacher. Yeah. Mr. Edminster. Probably one of my favorite teachers. And, uh, you know, when I see him, you know, I always tell him like, you know, you made a difference and, you know, I, hopefully uh, someday I'll have a kid come back in, in a similar position and tell me the same thing. All right. Now you mentioned there's some other things you'd like to do. Uh, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't teaching or what are some of these goals? If you don't mind sharing, I, I think eventually I would like to, you know, most districts will have, and most counties will have people who come up with new curriculum and usually they call them something like coaches or, you know, math coaches or curriculum coaches. I think okay. somewhere along the line, I would like to do that. Yeah, that sounds right in your wheelhouse, you know, listening to current events and current themes in society and how do we turn this into something interesting. I think that'd be great. And there's things that you can do outside of the classroom that, you know, research that you can read that uh, inside of the classroom, you just don't have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's one of those things that I would like to do to provide for, you know, newer teachers and teachers who are open to the idea and, uh, you know, have them help their students. So. Awesome. If you could go back to the start of your journey, anything you tell yourself? I would tell myself to uh, th that I'm not nearly as smart as I think I am <laughs> and uh, stay in school All right. and, uh, you know, just keep to it. Um, you know, I, I think at the beginning I felt like the amount of work involved in college wasn't going to get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. And what I've realized is that you know, yeah, it might not have, it might not have been a struggle. It might not have been, you know, super difficult, but it still was going to get me somewhere. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I, I think I put at the time, I put a lot of my education on the professors. Right. And really I should have taken more of that education and put it on myself. And so that's what I'd probably tell myself is if you don't think it's hard enough and you think it's too easy, so you don't need it. Right. Well then make it harder for yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Any last words of advice, life, math, uh, career anything you know one of the things i uh, that i try to tell people especially when you know the the subject of teaching comes up and i think it is applicable for everybody is to you know when you're trying to teach your kids something or you know when you're trying to you know teach your dog you know some new trick or whatever you're trying to do is just to be okay with the failures and know that you know don't be frustrated you know i see a lot of parents sometimes will you know, they'll get frustrated with the new math or with the common core math. And, right. you know, and a lot of it's just like, it's okay to maybe have to take a step back and go, you know what, kids, I've got to, I've got to look this up. Yeah. You know, I've got to educate myself and then I'm going to come back and help you. And I think it's okay to get the baby books and to, you know, to seek help elsewhere. You know, I think so often we think, well, I can do it so I can teach it. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, but you can teach yourself to teach it. And so, uh, yeah, that'd be yeah. It. So you real quick, you mentioned Common Core. Um, I haven't experienced Common Core. You know, my girls are little; they're not in school yet. Right. I haven't taught any of the common. You know, wasn't taught any of the Common Core when we were there. But right. So the only experience I've had with Common Core is what I've seen people post on Facebook. I've right. seen some stuff where it's like this person got the problem wrong because it was supposed to be three divided by five, and the math they did was five three times or whatever. Right. I mean, is it right. really like that? Are you supposed to? Are you supposed to hit them with this giant hammer when it's? <laughs> If you're a good teacher, no. Okay, good. And that's true no matter what. Um, the best explanation that I've seen of Common Core is that really Common Core, at least in mathematics, is just trying to teach kids common sense and, right. and teach them how to think logically. What's bad about that? Right. Now, you know, they might go, well, you know, especially with the diagrams, there's a lot of drawing and there's a lot of conceptual learning. Mm -hmm. But again, going back to what I had said earlier, 
you know, I had mentioned the fact that really to get kids and to get anybody to learn something, you want them to own that knowledge. And so when those kids are having to draw those diagrams, when mm-hmm. they're drawing, you know, three times five is 15 and they're drawing you know, three groups of five or five groups of three, mm-hmm. they're building that knowledge for themselves. Right. Now, you could just give them flashcards and they'll memorize it. All right. But again, we all did. We all did. Right. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we learn to use that memorization to as a tool. But I, I really believe that there's a stronger uh, connection and there's a stronger ability when the students get those concepts, you know, on their own and build those concepts up in their mind. Now, what about some of the criticisms I've seen where it's like a lot of these common core problems are they're essentially word problems where it's laid out. So if I stink at reading and reading comprehension, now I also stink at math. And that can be true. And I've seen, you know, for instance, our district, we've got, I mean, I'm, I'm just spitballing the stats here, but so we've got about 97 to 98% uh, Hispanic students. Okay. Of those, a lot of them are English learners. Uh, the exact percentage I'm not too right. sure on, but when they have a problem reading, then that does lead to problems in mathematics later on. Right. Really, though, that just tells us, okay, well, then we really need to get them focused on reading and comprehension. Yeah. And honestly, that's going to be because they're always going to have to read and comprehend. You know, so, yeah, the, the, the critique of Common Core Math is, well, there's a lot of reading and writing. And it's like, well, yeah. But they should be doing that anyways. The world is a lot of reading and writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you can't – I mean, we could take that out of it. But then what kind of a – would that be doing a service or a disservice to our students? Um. And, you know, honestly, from what I've seen, at least from my children, is that there is some reading and writing involved, but it's about as much as we had before. Right. And oftentimes what I find is that when I think back to my own education, though a lot of those word problems were just problems that we would have skipped. Yeah. You know, the teacher would have gone, all right, don't worry about problems number, you know, 15 through 16, just do one through 14. Yeah. You know, and so uh, the other thing with the, you know, Facebook Common Core memes that I've seen, you know, like the one where it's, you know, they were supposed to write three times five and they wrote five times three. A lot of the times I think that's either a miscommunication with the teacher yeah. or, you know, they took that one little bit and they ran with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I hope it's not like that. It's I not. Mean, and, and the best thing you can do and the, and my advice is always, if you see something like that happening, then talk to your child's teacher Oh yeah. and just ask them, you know, what is going on? Um, you know, I saw that you wrote this and I, to me it looks correct. Can you explain why it's not? And if the teacher can, then, okay, you know, take what they have with a, you know, grain of salt and, and, and realize that that's kind of where education is going. But if it doesn't make sense, then challenge them on it and say, well, you know, what you just said there, doesn't really make sense. So, you know, how else could you explain it to me that would make sense? All right. So that leads me to my last question. Sure. What do you want to say to the parents out there? Uh, To you, to the parents out there, I want to say that your kids are great and that I'm not just saying this as a, you know, because, uh, you know. I have to have kids come to me to make money, but, uh, <laughs> you know, no, your, your kids are great. And they're, you know, the kids are all right. Right. All right. Uh, contrary to popular belief. Exactly. And, and they're going to be fine. And, you know, think back to where you were at their age. And I think what you, most parents find is that, especially when their kids get to the teenager years, even though they don't like to think this, most of our kids will probably be a little bit better off than we were right. when we were that age. Yeah. And so they'll be fine. Um, They'll learn math. If, you know, if they need to go into physics and engineering, they'll learn calculus. Um, you know, if they come homework with homework problems, just, you know, try to work it out with them as much as possible. And if you don't know it, well, then either look it up or talk to the teacher about extra tools. 
Um, communication's key with teachers. Uh, we don't know what you don't know. Right. So if you are not good at you know, reading and writing, well then let us know and we can send home extra tools. Yeah. Or if you have a problem with mathematics, you know, what I'll do with my students is I'll send them my email and my Twitter and they'll send me questions via those two methods. Yep. And you know, so if a parent doesn't know calculus, that's okay. Have them email me. Right. So. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, Joey, this has been uh, really fun. Your, your care for your students really comes through and you're trying to do the right thing. Oh, thanks. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. You know, it's not just about that I touched on building that lesson plan one time in your career and right. cashing those checks and stacking that pension. You know, it's right. really about teaching kids how to learn. And even what you talked about on Facebook, it's clear that you have a, uh, you feel the duty of care to these kids and to the future. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I take it as a responsibility because, you know, if I was an engineer and I was building a bridge, I would want that bridge to last for years. <laughs> right. I wouldn't yeah. want, I wouldn't want to just get, you know, do a job that that'll get me paid and then walk away. Right. You know, I would really want to have some sense of personal pride in what I did and what I built. And to me, with teaching, it's the same thing. I'm not building something physical, but I'm building something, you know, that will last, hopefully, for a very long time. Right. Awesome. Awesome. This is Joe Schuster, uh, math and statistics and calculus teacher at Dinuba High School. He can be found on Twitter at SchusterMath, S-C-H-U-S-T-E-R Math. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Brett. This has been the Maslow Peak Podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. You can find us on the web at themaslowpeak.com or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Maslow Peak where you can see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Let us know if you have any questions, if you have people you'd like to be on the show, or any snide remarks, any comments, constructive criticism. We're open to all of it. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.